Welcome to John Bound Politics number 34. It is the night of the Democratic debate preceding the Nevada caucus. Money is riding high on Bloomberg, revealing he doesn't have thick skin. How long before he loses his elitist cool and treats the Democrat candidates like he does his staff? Will he be able to keep a lid on his love for abortion, targeting minorities, and his contempt for farmers and the middle class? We begin with a report about the rumor that Bloomberg may be the Trojan horse for Hillary Clinton, followed by highlights of the Democratic debate in Nevada. Text Joe, two, three, excuse me, I got to get this right. Joe Biden's haste upon his road to nowhere is a testament to the madness of the old establishment that continues its power-hungry clawing for centralized control. How do you explain the performance in Iowa, and why should the voters believe that you can win the national election? There have been no caucus. No, you haven't. You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. You said you were, but you're, you're, now you got to be honest. I'm going to be honest with you. Before the votes were cast, Biden, knowing he wouldn't crack third place and with his tail between his legs, scurried away to South Carolina 18 days before the primary on February 29th. You have no idea how great it is to be back in South Carolina. Meanwhile, Senator Ron Johnson and Senator Chuck Grassley, chairs of the Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs and Finance Committees, are actively unearthing obvious wrongdoing from the Obama administration, including a renewed investigation into the Hunter Biden corruption debacle. People wanted to really see you get mad when Trump started lying about Hunter and saying things about Hunter. I don't know that you got mad enough. Well, you know, I... Uh, I would like to be able to be back in high school and just have he and I in a room. Of course. <laughs> I know. But all kidding aside, here's the deal. Look, uh, nobody has said he's done anything wrong. This is a guy who is, uh, has done nothing but good things his whole life. My son and ran a food program, USA, and a whole, whole range of things. If a State Department official had engaged in this kind of activity, nobody would question the fact that this ought to be looked at and ought to be investigated. But nothing erodes more than a lie. And Joe Biden's lies, which represent the old establishment, will inevitably open like a sinkhole as his chances for the presidency crumble all around him. Meanwhile, Mike Bloomberg, as the Mockingbirds at NBC report, storms to the center of the 2020 presidential fray. Every day I'd say, what'd you do? And she'd say, well, I played Scrabble today. And I said, who'd you play with? The housekeeper. Uh, Did you win? Yes, of course. And I said, mother, the housekeeper works for us. She's throwing the, 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 the game to you. She said, that's an outrage. And then she'd finish by saying, and if you learn to play Scrabble, you'd learn how to spell. Now, if I were for Texas, I might say he's, Donald Trump is scared as a cat at the dog pound. But since I'm from New York, I put it this way. We're scaring the living hell out of him. President took aim at former mayor Mike Bloomberg, saying Mini Mike is a five foot four mass of dead energy who does not want to be on the debate stage with these professional politicians. No boxes, please. The mass of dead energy, Mike Bloomberg, his bizarro meme machine 
and all of his history of racial profiling are now adding speculation that the former NYC mayor is considering bringing in wicked Hillary Clinton as his running mate, according to the Drudge Report. A source close to Bloomberg said that polling found that the Bloomberg-Clinton duo would be a formidable force to face Trump in the 2020 race for the White House. The Daily Mail reports Bloomberg is said to be considering even changing his official residence from New York to Colorado or Florida, where he also has homes, because the Electoral College makes it difficult for a U.S. president and vice president to reside in the same state. Does Mike Bloomberg have a death wish? How long could the deep state dream candidate Hillary Clinton sit in the VP chair just one step away from total power before mini Mike Bloomberg is added to the Clinton body count? John Barron's reporting. Mr. Bloomberg had policies in New York City of stop and frisk, which went after African-American and Latino people in an outrageous way. That is not a way you're going to grow voter turnout. Sanders beat President Trump, and how do you want to respond to what else he said? Um, I don't think there's any chance of uh, the senator beating President Trump. You don't start out by saying, uh, I've got 160 million people. I'm going to take away the insurance plan that they love. That's just not a ways that you go and start building the coalition that the Sanders uh, camp thinks that they can do. I don't think there's any chance whatsoever. And if he goes and is the candidate, we will have Donald Trump for another four years, and we can't stand that. So I, I like to talk about who we're running against. A billionaire who calls women fat broads and horse-faced lesbians. And no, I'm not talking about Donald Trump. I'm talking about Mayor Bloomberg. <laughs> Democrats are not going to win if we have a nominee who has a history of hiding his tax returns, of her harassing women and of supporting racist policies like redlining and stop and frisk. Look, I'll support whoever the Democratic nominee is, but understand this. Democrats take a huge risk if we just substitute one arrogant billionaire for another. This country has worked for the rich for a long time and left everyone else in the dirt. It is time to have a president who will be on the side of working families and be willing to get out there and fight for them. That is why I am in this race, and that is how I will beat Donald Trump. Senator, state, but I am because of pure, pure grit and because of the people out there. I've been told many times to wait my turn and to step aside, and I'm not going to do that now, and I'm not going to do that because a campaign memo uh, from Mayor Bloomberg said this morning uh, that the only way uh, that we get a nominee is if we step aside for him. I think we need something different than Donald Trump. I don't think you look at Donald Trump and say, we need someone richer in the White House. Thank you. The mayor says that he has a great record, that he's done these wonderful things. Well, the fact of the the matter is he has not managed his city very, very well when he was there. He didn't get a whole lot done. He had to stop and frisk, throwing close to five million young black men up against a wall. And when we came along in our administration, the President Obama, and said, we're going to send in a moderator to a mediator stop it, he said that's unnecessary. So I, we're going to get a chance to talk
talk about the mayor's record. Most Americans don't see where they fit if they've got to choose between a socialist who thinks that capitalism is the root of all evil and a billionaire who thinks that money ought to be the, the root of all power. Let's put forward somebody who actually lives and works in a middle-class neighborhood in an industrial Midwestern city. Let's go. We are giving a voice to people who are saying we are sick and tired of billionaires like Mr. Bloomberg seeing huge expansions of their wealth while a half a million people sleep out on the street tonight. And that's so what we are saying, Pete, is maybe it's a time for the working class of this country to have a little bit of power in Washington rather than your billionaire campaign contributors. Uh, all right, look. My campaign is fueled by hundreds of thousands of contributors. Including 26 billionaires. Among the hundreds of thousands of contributors. And look. We've got to unite this country to deal with these issues. You're not the only one who cares about the working class. Most Americans believe we need to empower workers. As a matter of fact, you're the one who is at war with the culinary union right here in Las Vegas. We support that you have ever dreamed of. When Mayor Bloomberg was busy blaming African Americans and Latinos for the housing crash of 2008, I was right here in Las Vegas, literally, just a few blocks down the street holding hearings. Mayor Buttigieg really has a slogan that was thought up by his consultants to paper over a thin version of a plan that would leave millions of people unable to afford their health care. It's not a plan, it's PowerPoint. And Amy's plan is even less. It's like a post-it note, insert plan here. Started very much, uh, has a good start, but instead of expanding and bringing in more people to help, uh, instead his campaign relentlessly attacks everyone who asks a question or tries to fill in details about how to actually make this work. And then his own advisors say, eh, probably won't happen anyway. Uh, I am a fan of Obamacare. At the beginning, uh, Mr. Vice President, I just checked the record because you'd said one time that I was not. In 09, I testified and gave a speech before the mayor's uh, conference in Washington uh, advocating it and trying to get all the mayors to sign on. And I think at that time I wrote an article praising Obamacare. It was either in the New York Post or the Daily News. So the facts are I was there. Let me finish. Thank you. Um, I was in favor of it. I thought it didn't do as, go as far as we should. What uh, Trump has done to this is a disgrace. The first thing we've got to do is get the White House and bring back those things that were left right. and then find a ways to expand it. Another public option, having some rules about capping okay. charges. All of those things. We shouldn't just walk away and start something that is totally new, untried. Okay, people Vice President Biden, go ahead. The, pre the, the mayor said when we passed it, the signature piece of this administration, it's a disgrace. They're the exact words. It was a disgrace. Well, if I go back and look at my time in office, the one thing that I'm um, really worried about, embarrassed about, was how it turned out. Um, with stop and frisk. When I got into office, there were 650 murders a year in New York City. 
And I thought that my first responsibility was to give people the right to live. That's the basic right of everything. And we started, a, we adopted a policy which had been in place, uh, the policy that all big uh, police departments use of stop and frisk. What happened, however, was it got out of control. And when we discovered, I discovered that we were doing many, many, too many stop and frisks, we cut 95% of it out. And I've sat down with a bunch of uh, African-American clergy and business people to talk about this, to try to learn. I've talked to a number of kids who've been stopped. And uh, I'm trying to, I was trying to understand how we change our policies so we can keep the city safe, because the crime rate did go from 650, 50% down to 300. The reason the stop and frisk change is because Barack Obama sent moderators to see what was going on. When we sent them there to say this practice has to stop, the mayor thought it was a terrible idea. We send them there. He apologized. Listen very closely to the apology. The language he used is about stop and frisk. It's about how it turned out. Now, this isn't about how it turned out. This is about what it was designed to do to begin with. It targeted communities of color. It targeted black and brown men from the beginning. And if you want to issue a real apology, then the apology has to start with the intent of the plan as it was put together and the willful ignorance day by day by day of admitting what was happening even as people protested in your own street, shutting out the sounds of people telling you how your own policy was right. breaking their Senator, lives. You need a different apology. Senator Warren, you've been critical of Mayor Bloomberg on this issue. Yes, I have. And I hope you heard what his defense was. I've been nice to some women. <laughs> has to stand on his record. And what we need to know is exactly what's lurking out there. He has gotten some number of women, dozens, who knows, to sign non-disclosure agreements, both for sexual harassment and for gender discrimination in the workplace. So, Mr. Mayor, are you willing to release all of those women from those non-disclosure agreements so we can hear their side of the story? Very few non-disclosure agreements. How many is Let me there? finish. How many is there? None of them accuse me of doing anything other than maybe they didn't like the joke I told. And let me just and let me put there's a be agreements between two parties that wanted to keep it quiet, and that's up to them. They signed those agreements, so, and we'll live with it. So wait, when you say it is up to, I just want to be clear. Some is how many? And, and when you and when you say they signed them and they wanted them, if they wish now to speak out and tell their side of the story about what it is they allege, that's now okay with you? You're releasing them on television tonight? Senator, no. Is that right? Senator, 
tonight? Senator, the company and somebody else, in this case, a man or a woman, or could be but more than that, they decided when they made an agreement that they wanted to keep it quiet for everybody's no. interest. They signed the agreements, and that's what we're going to live I, with. I'm sorry. No, the question is, are I the women bound by being muzzled by you? And you could release them from that immediately, because understand, this is not just a question of the mayor's character. This is also a question about electability. We are not going to be Donald Trump with a man who has who knows how many non-disclosure agreements and the drip, drip, drip of stories of women saying they have been harassed and discriminated against. That's not what we do, Mr. President. Let's get something serious. That's socialism for the rich. I believe in democratic socialism for working people, not billionaires. Health care for all, educational opportunity for all. country we have. The best known socialist in the country happens to be a millionaire with three houses. What did I miss here? Well, you'll miss that I work in Washington, house one. That's the first problem. Live in Burlington, house two. That's good. And like thousands of other Vermonters, I do have a summer camp. Forgive me for that. Well, you can join me at MikeBloomberg.com, too, if you want, but I'm not asking for any money. Um, look, this is a management job, and John, Donald Trump's not a manager. At some point today, we will hear the sentencing of Roger Stone by the Democrats' hatchet judge, Amy Berman Jackson. Judge Jackson denied Roger Stone's request for a new trial. She is the perfect example of a fixed judicial system where Democrats walk free and conservatives burn, as the Gateway Pundit reported. Judge Amy Berman Jackson, an Obama-appointed corrupt liberal judge with an angry disposition towards Americans who think differently than Obama, continues to put her own distorted interpretation of U.S. law ahead of the U.S. Constitution, this time with Trump ally Roger Stone. In February of 2019, Gateway Pundit reported that the judge's actions with Paul Manafort alone are ample cause for her to be removed or impeached. They also reported back in May of 2018 that Obama-appointed liberal activist judge Amy Berman Jackson was assigned to the most important court case in U.S. history, the Manafort case in the Trump-Russia fake investigation. Sadly, Judge Jackson has a horrible far-left record on the bench. In 2013, Judge Jackson rejected arguments from the Catholic Church that Obamacare's requirements that employers provide cost-free coverage to contraceptive services in spite of being contrary to their religious beliefs. This was overturned by the Supreme Court. In 2017, Judge Jackson dismissed the wrongful death suit against Hillary Clinton filed by two of the families who lost loved ones in Benghazi. The families had argued that Clinton had done little to help their sons and then lied to cover it up, which is exactly what happened. Here now is a report exposing the media's manipulation and stoking of the fire of the feud between President Trump and Attorney General Barr. The Democrats just can't get enough of second-guessing the legal power of the executive office. The president is what he is. He thinks he's above the law. Uh, might you impeach him over this, over Roger Stone and the sentencing? You know, we're not going to take our options off the table. I mean, Eric Swalwell's already moving towards impeachment. How many times will they take us off this cliff? 
How many times will they fire before they ever aim or ever have the facts? All this after the president made the country aware as to where he stands on the sentencing of Roger Stone. Wouldn't people want to know that? Shouldn't Americans be concerned about the balance of justice when Tamika Jones, as the Epoch Times reported, the forewoman of the jury that convicted former Donald Trump campaign advisor Roger Stone, showed clear animus against Trump in a slew of social media posts? Tweets calling Trump the hashtag Klan president. In a post in 2018, Hart praised an official of Unidos U.S., formerly the National Council of La Raza, for firing us up and calling us to act against the oppressive racist agenda of 45's administration. And she said that Trump supporters were racist for co-signing and defending a racist and his racist rhetoric. In January 2019, Hart shared a Twitter post from CNN analyst Bakari Sellers celebrating the FBI and CNN pre-dawn raid on Roger Stone's house. Again, this was the forewoman of the jury convicting Roger Stone. Attorney General Barr had strong words regarding the quagmire he is in when he can't make one move without being roped into another conspiracy theory. The president... Uh, does not like to be told what to do. He may not like what you're saying. Are you prepared for those ramifications? Uh, of, of course. As I you know, said during my confirmation, uh, I came in to serve as attorney general. Uh, I am responsible for everything that happens in the department, but the thing I have most responsibility for are the issues that are brought to me for decision. And I will make those decisions based on what I think is the right thing to do, and I'm not going to be bullied or influenced by anybody. And I said at the time, whether it's Congress, newspaper, editorial boards, or the president, I'm going to do what I think is right. I cannot do my job here at the department uh, with a constant background commentary that, that undercuts me. Of course, the Mockingbirds over at ABC News want you to believe that Barr's complaints singled out the president. No mention of the unyielding harassment by the media and the Democrats, but what can you expect from a publication that turns a rare newsworthy presidential stop at a local diner in New Hampshire into racist propaganda? James Clapper boldly perjured in the face of the American public under oath. Does the NSA collect any type of data at all on millions or hundreds of millions of Americans? No, sir. It does not. Not wittingly. Director Clapper's perjury, in my opinion, has been covered extensively. And I have articles from The New Yorker, The Washington Post, Guardian, Salon, The Washington Times, and The Huffington Post. In light of this, are you willing to discuss whether or not uh, the Justice Department is investigating uh, Director Clapper for his statements before the Senate? I'm really not in a position to confirm whether the Department is investigating um, any particular matter. In the words of constitutional scholar Jonathan Turley, the fact is that perjury is not simply tolerated, it is rewarded in Washington. In a city of made men and women, nothing says loyalty quite as much as lying under oath. Meanwhile, a swamp creature can get away with perjury under the Congressional Dome. But an outsider like Roger Stone, like the rest of us, is thrown to the wolves. John Bound reporting.
And last but not least, the health warning, especially for pregnant mothers on the dangers of PFAS chemicals in our drinking water that the EPA didn't mention to us for over 20 years. It has been a struggle warning the public about harmful contaminants in their public drinking water, especially when there are so many arrogant naysayers out there. Getting, um, saying Alex Joe. <laughs> Sorry, I, I don't want to mention his name. Um, he's advertising many of these things, and the power lies in these advertisers to pull out of these fear-mongering, hate-loving people that just want to sh spread hate and division in America. For example, on Infowars, one of his most famous statements was saying that tap water is turning the frogs gay and it will turn you gay too. First off, gay people are awesome. I don't think that's a problem at all. And secondly, if you notice at the end of that video, he advertises water filters. The truth is hard to swallow. Hydrofluorosilicic acid, a waste byproduct of the phosphate fertilizer manufacturing industry, is in the national water supply. Better known as fluoride, it increases your chances of developing bone cancer and lowering your IQ. The process of dumping toxic waste into our drinking supply was supported by the EPA all the way back in 1983. And regardless of the yeoman efforts of anti-fluoride activism, the corporatic fluorosilicic acid market is set to grow from its current market value of more than $670 million to over $1 billion by 2025, as reported in the latest study by Global Market Insights Incorporated. MarketWatch reports the global fluorosilicic acid market share is depicting immense traction majorly due to the increasing demand of clean drinking water and and the rise in product application in the corrosion inhibitor industry. Fluorosilicic acid has increasingly reinforced its presence in the water fluoridation process due to its ease of application over competing chemicals. While the runoff chemical known as atrazine does change the sex of amphibians, and it does turn the frogs gay, regardless of David Hogg's mindless hypocrisy. You think I am like oh, shocked by it, so I'm up here bashing it because I don't like gay people? I don't like them putting chemicals in the water that turn the friggin' frogs gay. Do you understand that? Ugh, ugh, serious crap. Hayes is testing the effects of chemicals like atrazine, a common herbicide. Well, and now we have a chemical very common in the environment that's effectively sex-reversing animals. And if that wasn't enough to get you to consider a water filtration unit for you and your family, now the public is gradually being told the truth about forever chemicals, something the EPA sat on for over 20 years. EWG released a brand new report on the PFAS contamination crisis. PFAS, or forever chemicals as they're more commonly known, build up in our bodies and don't break down in the environment. Virtually the blood of every American is contaminated with PFAS, which has been linked to an increased risk of cancer, as well as other diseases. So what are these chemicals? It's a large class of industrial chemicals. They're surfactants, which means they help other things move easily. Um, with unique chemical and physical properties, um, some of them are, because of this chemical nature, makes them very persistent in our environment. It takes a lot of energy to make these chemicals, to create them, and so that it takes a lot of energy to break them down again, too, and it's more energy that is just typically available in nature. So they, once they're manufactured by man, nature has a really hard time breaking them down again. 
The ugly truth that drinking water across the United States is heavily contaminated with fluorinated forever chemicals at levels far higher than previously thought has gradually come to the fore. A wide variety of mainstream news outlets have finally cited a new report by the Environmental Working Group which found concentrations of forever chemicals in water supplies at all but one of the 44 locations they tested. The results confirm that the number of Americans exposed to forever chemicals from contaminated tap water has been dramatically underestimated by previous studies, both by the EPA and EWG's own research. The Massachusetts Department of Public Health recently issued an advisory urging pregnant or nursing mothers and infants to avoid drinking bottled water products from sources known to contain high levels of forever chemicals. Fortunately, we may all choose to filter our own water. John Bound reporting. That's going to do it tonight for John Bound Politics. You can find me at dailynewscollective.com, HC Universal Network, Band.video, and John Bound Politics on YouTube. Good night, America, wherever you